Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, June 25th, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, all episodes of Today on Broadway are special. It is some, very true, yes. Some are more special than others, though. Correct. Not very to correct. paraphrase Animal Farm. But uh, well. <laughs> today is an extra special show because at the end of this episode, after we get through a little bit of news, you have a half-hour conversation with the one, the only, the myth, the man, the legend, Robbie Rizal. <laughs> Pretty much. I nearly introduced him the same way in my actual I mean, interview. So well done. It's, it's, it's true and appropriate, especially this week, as on Friday, his album, Songs from Inside My Locker, will be officially released and available. Those of us that contributed to the Kickstarter campaign, we got it a little early. It's very, very good. I have not listened to all of it yet because... It is very, very good. Yeah, when you are a uh, professional podcast editor, it makes it very hard to listen to music while you are editing. But while yeah, I've been out and about... Yeah, I can't do two things at once while I'm uh, editing podcasts. But when I've been out and about in the car a little bit this past week, I've been listening. I'm about three quarters of the way through, and it is wonderful. So I'm very excited to listen to that. Uh, But Ashley, uh, of course, as always, this episode will debut on our Patreon feed first, and then it'll debut in our regular feed on Thursday morning. So if you want to hear all of our interviews first, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. All right, but let's get into the news that we have today, Ashley. And we had a bit of a rush of announcements concerning some Broadway shows on Wednesday. The biggest of which is that the Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster-led Music Man has pushed back its run to begin on April 7th with a May 20th opening. Now, Ashley, this is A, not surprising, but B, interesting on a ton of levels. First, I am surprised that Hugh will be able to commit to doing a year of this show, assuming his current plan is to do a year of the show as it was with the originally mm-hmm. scheduled run. Now, perhaps with filming starting to open again in both New York, Los Angeles, and around the world, he could maybe fit in a film in between now and February 8th, when rehearsals are now set to begin for The Music Man that he otherwise would not have been able to do. True. Second is that its May 20th opening date would normally be after the Tony eligibility deadline of a normal season. Mm. But obviously this ain't going to be no normal season. Right. So We don't even know when this year's Tony's going to be. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I mean. It's like schedules don't mean anything. Third is that for anyone who has already purchased tickets, Telecharge is essentially just taking your previous ticket date and plopping it down on the corresponding date in the new run. Same exact seats, same day of the week, same uh, amount of time before or after opening night. This is obviously not ideal, and many people will have to reschedule. But honestly, I can't, you know, and normally I'm fine going after ticketing companies all the time, but I really can't think of a better way to do it in order to guarantee folks as close to the experience that they originally paid for as possible. Because if they just canceled everybody, a lot of people who already paid for them and were like, I wanted these seats and now I can't get them are going to yeah, be pissed. That's very true. Uh, I hadn't really thought about that because you're right. There is really no ideal situation yeah. to this. People are, people are going to be mad either way. People are going to be yeah. mad that it's bumped up, but there's nothing we can do about that. And mad regardless, because things are going to get bumped up to something that they can't go to. No one really has any plans right now yeah. anyway, though. Like, no one knows what they're going to be doing in May. No one knows what's going to even be 
existing or open in May, even if the Music Man will actually be happening in May. Like, that's the date right now. So as far as we, yeah. we have to come up with some scenario for ticketing, yeah. this is really as good as it gets. Yeah, and I got to say that in my experience trying to work with Telecharge on exchanges and refunds they have been very sure. good i'm sure that they are overwhelmed with people on furlough right now and stuff but telecharge has been very good in the past trying to work with me but the final thing that i wanted to mention with this is that there have been a lot of calls online on wednesday for scott rudin the producer of the show to either scrap or delay the show because a show with an all-white principal cast about a white con man using personal prejudices to steal from unsuspecting folks might not be the, the right show to reopen Broadway with right now. Now, Ashley, I think that we both realize that there is less than zero chance of Scott Rudin even entertaining these objections for a single second. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Please. In fact, I would not be surprised if this Music Man with Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster doesn't become like the centerpiece for a big come back to New York marketing campaign complete oh, with yes. Yeah, complete yeah. with Hugh leading a marching band with 76 trombones straight through Times Square for a commercial or something. And but, you know, I don't think that the Music Man is a show like the Mikado that needs to be completely erased from the repertoire, or as the kids say, canceled. But I don't think that some reflection on the timing of this particular production is completely out of order here. No one is saying to cancel the Music Man because it it, it can be it's a show that you know you can cast however you want. There's obviously yeah. been Norm Lewis did it in DC. Music Man exactly. Yeah. So it's it's this production as what happens with many big name productions on Broadway. The casting is very much what you would expect. So people are obviously and rightfully are going to be looking at this production as we are now saying, is this really what we need? And I, I <laughs> you already know that I'm not a big music man fan, so I'm generally like, I, this is what we need. But as you said, I don't think this casting coming back with hopefully a plethora of changes Ain't gonna happen. in the industry. Oh, yeah, okay. Exactly. Maybe in the industry. I, I thought you meant maybe like casting changes. I can't imagine. Oh, we saw how no. Scott handled uh, the Amar Ramasar yes. issue with yeah, West Side Story. Exactly. Uh, Not going to happen. Yeah. It, it, it only makes him stronger. <laughs> oh, don't feed him after midnight. Okay, um, <laughs> let's quickly talk about the other much less complicated shows that made schedule announcements yesterday. The first news came from Lincoln Center when they announced that they will resume their opera adaptation of Intimate Apparel and the new world premiere musical Flying Over Sunset beginning in spring of 2021. Flying Over Sunset is a Broadway production. They also announced that they plan to produce an additional LCT3 production in the Claire Tao Theater in spring of 2021, as well as an additional Mitzi E. Newhouse Theater off-Broadway production in the spring or in the summer of 2021. And finally, according to The Hollywood Reporter, the Lehman Trilogy is looking for a new home on Broadway for a limited run. It was originally going to play the Nederlander Theater, but that is where MJ the Musical will begin performances in April, so they can't go there. Ashley, I am very confident that the Lehman Trilogy will find a home somewhere on Broadway. It is a show that is going to get a lot of attention and probably make some money because it's a fairly small and uh, is a simple show. 
I am less likely that shows will be allowed to open in the spring of 2021 uh, as we get more information about the phase four openings in New York and how like not even movie theaters and malls and gyms are going to be allowed to open in phase four. But obviously, April is a long time away, and I don't think it is. I, But I, I, you know, I do think it's telling that none of these shows are saying that they are going to shoot for openings in January, February or March. I feel like they know what's coming and April is the earliest that we should imagine seeing anything. Right. I think we we've talked about many times as far Mm -hmm. as shows opening up in the spring. I think even the expected pushback to January, whatever we've talked about many, the many reasons behind why they're doing pushbacks date by date like this. And January, as I've talked about also with Casey Mink, it's like, it's a, January is a fresh new start. It's a new year. It's, it sounds really pretty and round, but that's not going to happen. I think it would behoove a lot of shows at this point that are even expected to open in April or planning on opening in April of next year to look at pushing things back because it's not like we have the entire next season booked as well and what houses they're going to go to. So I don't know if it makes more sense to say, okay, MJ gets pushed back now. So this show can go in. There's a lot of really interesting logistics to all of this. And what's even more interesting to me than these shows that haven't begun performances yet are shows that have begun performances yeah. already. Yeah. What do what do shows that have either you know that are in previews? What if something like Six or Mrs. Doubtfire? What do they do yeah. versus what do shows like Wicked and Phantom in Chicago or Hamilton you know that have been running for years? When do they decide to come back? I think those sure. are the bigger interesting things because at least with these shows that we've talked about today saying okay we're going to start in april and may that lines up fairly close with when we would normally see shows open maybe a month pushed back but they're still counting on some sort of summer bump i would assume right the question is what about other shows i think that's even more interesting than this but we will just have to wait and see because we aren't getting those answers anytime soon Okay, Ashley, uh, as will be our custom probably for the next week or so, we have another Hamill section today. First, Lin-Manuel Miranda and the original Broadway cast of Hamilton will join Jimmy Fallon and The Roots for a special remote performance at this Saturday's Global Citizens Global Goal colon Unite for the Future hashtag no not hashtag uh that is a lot of characters oh my god (laughs) yeah it's it's global citizens global goal colon unite for the future dash the concert the global citizens concert um they will be uh performing together we don't know exactly what but you will be able to watch all of the festivities on nbc and the u.s as well as dozens of networks and tv channels across the globe as well of course, as online. Global Citizens, Global Goal, the musical, the series. <laughs> the, the movie musicals, yeah. That's yeah, uh, <laughs> just crazy. Um, in related news yesterday, Hulu announced that their documentary, We Are Freestyle Love Supreme, will premiere on July 17th on the streaming service. It had originally been slated to debut on June 5th, but was pushed back in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter protests that were just beginning earlier this month. And finally, our Hamill feel-good recommendation of the day is a short 45-second clip of the song Alexander Hamilton from the Disney Plus Pro Capture of Hamilton, which will debut at 12 a.m. Pacific time 
on July 3rd. It's interesting because Freestyle Love Supreme was supposed to come out before Hamilton. Then it got pushed back, and they obviously have to give it some distance from uh, when Hamilton comes out. So it's coming out two weeks later instead of a month earlier. But uh, plenty of Lynn and company to be streamed over the next month. All right, Ashley, that means it is time for me to turn it over to you and the great and the good Robbie Rizell. I am thrilled and delighted to be joined by the one, the only diva Robbie Roselle, whose debut live album, Songs from Inside My Locker, will be released by Broadway Records this coming Friday, June 26th. Robbie, thank you so much for joining me today. Where are you currently as far as anxiety, nervousness, excitement for this album? Uh, well... First of all, thanks for having me. I think that, uh, where am I? Uh, everything's graded on a curve these days, right? Yeah, that's so very fair. <laughs> I'm at about a 17. Oh, cool, cool. Um, Not too bad. 1 to 10. Not too bad. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm insane. <laughs> Very low key for me. Yeah, I, that's that's low key for me too. So I think a seventeen <laughs> out of ten is great. That's my yeah. <laughs> well, I as I've already told you, I've had the chance to listen to the album ahead of time. It is so good and just reflective of you as a person and a performer, and thankfully feels like a live cabaret album. So thank you for that, especially as I'm really really missing those rooms lately. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think it sounds very present. It definitely sounds like you're in the room yeah. with me, which makes me very happy. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, you know, some live albums don't always capture the the in the room exactly. Exactly. part of it. Yeah, for sure. So I think that, that Michael Moritz, um, who produced the album with me, like, we really captured the, the essence of it. For sure. That happens a lot at 54 Below as well, I think. It's also, honestly, it depends on what kind of performer you are. And my show is half stand-up. So, uh, you know, I definitely got like a a rowdy crowd. Um, (laughs) uh, The rowdy gaze. Yeah, yeah, the gaze are really feeling it. uh, And I'm not mad at that. (laughs) You shouldn't be. (laughs) Well, I want to talk about the evolution of this album because you had your debut, Songs from Inside My Locker, in 2017, and if I remember correctly, and then your Pride show, Busting Out, and then the Kickstarter, and now here we are today with this live album. So I would love to hear that entire three years. Why not? (laughs) Yeah, I got five minutes. Um, (laughs) I started... I, I say in the liner notes, I'm an accidental performer. I think it's on the record too. Yeah. But I I fell into it fully backwards. I was writing and directing, or you know, co-writing and directing uh, shows for really fancy people. Um, right. Jessica Vosk, Melissa Erico, Kate Baldwin, all of them. Untalented and ugly, every single one. Um, hey, <laughs> I used to joke that, that my job was to give jokes to Sopranos. <laughs> like, That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, Kate Baldwin will call me to this day and ask for a joke for a specific thing. I'm basically her Bruce Belange. So uh, <laughs> I was doing the, all this cabaret work with other people, 
and sort of had created like there was a signature show that I would do, you know, uh, with a pop and show tune ma- mashup of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were very funny generally. Um, and people at 54 kept saying, you should do your own show. You should do your own show. And I said, nobody will come see that. Mm-hmm. So one day, uh, after I did, I had done, uh, Nika Graf Lance Roney's, uh, hero worship mm-hmm. show, which yeah. was spectacular because she is spectacular. Correct. Um, correct. It's truly one of my favorite cabaret experiences. Um, we we sort of did the oh hello of cabaret mm-hmm. uh, and blew it up from the inside, which is a joy. And uh, again, somebody at fifty four was like, "You should do your own show." And I I had to say again, I, nobody would come to that. But I, I it sort I mean, of lived in my brain, cabaret. and so I threw if it on Facebook. Get, if you can get three people in the door, right? Well, cabaret is so prohibitively expensive yes, uh, in yes, terms of, of doing it and doing it correctly. It's a lot of money. So, you know, I threw a thing up on Facebook because 2017 people still used it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I said, you know, <laughs> hypothetically, if I did a thing, would anybody come to the thing? And an hour later I had a date and a contract. Uh, the only thing I didn't have was a show. So I started bad, to build the show. Yeah. Right. Um, so I started to build a show and I was building something that would entertain my friends for 70 minutes, um, make it highly entertaining because, uh, again, cabaret tickets are expensive. Right. Uh, and I sold out very quickly to the point where like some of my tickets were like $80 and I had to say, you guys know that my last name's not Lapone, right? <laughs> I just want to, well, you still have time to change it, I guess. At a hyphen. <laughs> yeah, sure. I just want to manage expectations. <laughs> uh, but it went well. I, I got an immediate, um, you know, by popular demand encore and it right. was one because I wasn't demanding it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I had put together this piece that was entertaining and, uh, fun and funny. Uh, and we did it twice. And then, uh, the following year, uh, and then, you know, I was nominated for a bunch of Broadway World Awards that, uh, Randy Rainbow won. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, As you said in the album, yeah, he, he really needed it. He did. Well, he did. I, he's going places. Yeah. So be. then, uh, <laughs> the following year, um, I got an email out of the blue asking if I would headline Pride at 54 that year. Uh, that was 2018. And sure, I, you know, I said, okay. Um, and so I started to build the Pride. That was 2017, 2018. I think that was we were 2018. In what year? Yeah. Time is a, a flat circle. It, it I don't doesn't, know anything it means nothing anymore. It, right? happen, it happened in a recent year. Pick whichever one you want. <laughs> Yes. Uh, Stonewall 49. So two years ago. Yeah. Um, and what they didn't tell me is that I was replacing Lorna Luft. Oh. Which is insane. As we all do. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I would love to see the list of names they went down until they hit me. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, like, who <laughs> definitely was like, yeah, I can't do that. I am not available. I cannot replace Lorna Luff. Yeah. Uh, until they hit me the and I was like, yeah, sure. That was probably the primary reason. I just can't. I can't do I, that. I'm, I'm sick. I couldn't possibly. 
so <laughs> so we uh we created a new show for that and it was called Buster Now because um Leslie Algum mm-hmm. uh and June and it was just like I like to be funny uh with a title uh whatever and uh that's when we added two backup singers to the show and it was mm-hmm. a whole different show it was so it was like so songs from inside my locker was its own thing right and it was sort of like all the songs that got me through a terrible high school experience and then creating busting out was uh specifically built for pride um but it was also a dark show um Mm. because that's like when uh, we were finding out about children being put in cages and things like that so the first time that we sang through that show um I turned to Josh Smith, who is my uh, music director and arranger, uh, and I was like, "Oh my God, I need to, uh, I need to add some 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 comic songs in here." Um, and so we did that show. Uh, I got married the day before that show, and we announced it on stage. Yeah, that happy night. anniversary, like by the way. Thanks. Yeah, uh, two years. I mean, we've been together for. 15 now right, so right. it's like oh you um, <laughs> we're stuck in this quarantine still yeah. him right honestly uh, thank god i can't imagine being quarantined alone uh yeah. especially as an extra uh, extrovert mm. like uh, thank god he's here um and he's here to roll his eyes at my joke i'm an introvert so i am i've i, I adore my roommate but i am i'm ready i'm ready to have a minute alone he's an introvert mm. and he's like been prepping for this his entire life exactly uh, exactly but even, even he's like ready to get out he's like oh my god Oh, Can I just yeah. go sit at blockheads? Oh, I mean, and that no, was... No, it's close. <laughs> the first, I would say, month month or two was weirdly hard as far as I wanted to, like, go do things and go drinking. And now sure. I'm just like, all right, my, like, my fail safe is kicking in. I, uh, this is exactly what it's I not. do on a daily basis anyway. I'm just not going to shows. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we did that show. And then uh, while we were doing that show, I was also recording Jess's, uh, Jessica Bosk's album yeah. that week. Like a lot happened all that. It was the most insane two weeks of my life. Um, uh, but we had done a Kickstarter for it and it had been successful. And uh, somebody had put it in my ear. Maybe you should think about recording your show. Was it the same um, waiters from 54 Plow? <laughs> Like, <laughs> no, can you imagine? Uh, They're desperate. They've got bets hedged on you, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Uh, I think they were just breathing a sigh of relief as I am the only human who has never sung Meadowlark there. <laughs> so it's true. They were Even like, me in oh, the bathroom. Yeah. So, <laughs> right? <laughs> they have a tick box. That's a true story. They They have like a post-it note that somebody ticks off every time uh, somebody thinks metal art need like a And one year I yeah. saw Ellen Marsh there. Isn't that nuts? I saw Ellen Marsh there like January 2nd or 3rd there one year. And she was, she was like, I've heard about the metal art thing. Oh and then God. she wrapped metal art. Oh uh, to, my to God. Off the new sheet. Amazing. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. That's incredible. So, <laughs> uh, so I did a Kickstarter to do the album and uh, it was successful. So then I had to go and record it. And we recorded it last year, last 
last, like 2019, February and March. We had two dates. Um, and I sort of lifted out a portion of the original show and dropped in some stuff from Busting Out yeah. that was like important to me to be there. Uh, in Hell's Kitchen was a song was written right, for me. Right. Um, and I really wanted to make sure that was there. I had the girls. And then I wrote this new ending to this show with um, the Tomorrow oh, mashup God, yeah. uh, that's at the end of my record. Because like before, again, it was only ever intended to entertain my friends sure, for one night. Sure. Uh, I, I had no aspirations of anything else, but I really like in capturing a perfect or as close to perfect <laughs> uh, <laughs> version of it. I, I, I wanted it to have like, it needed to go somewhere, mm-hmm. right? There needed to be some kind of catharsis. And that's how we ended up where we are. And now because of coronavirus, I had some time to mix it mm. and get it how I wanted it. Uh, Cause that was very daunting. Um, and now it comes out Friday. Yeah, I was, that's what I was especially curious of, of was like, what, how you were deciding what made it into the album? Because I know you left some songs behind from the titular show, like the flop medley. And oh, yeah. I, I remember how those boys could dance. And then you added from Bustin' Out and Hell's Kitchen and First Penis I Saw from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend from mm-hmm. the late, great Adam Schlesinger. Uh, so honestly, it was just like creating like a, a more cohesive in the original show i did uh, a barbara cook version of uh, a song called them their eyes mm, that right, right. was me and a very very sexy man playing the tuba uh, oh, because right. it was a very unexpected yes. psych gag yeah <laughs> uh, i didn't think that would translate to an album uh so that went away the flop medley uh the noxons carry medley uh, got replaced by the aged out medley uh, only because uh, I knew I was cutting Carrie uh, mm. to drop mm. in this crazy Aida story. Um, but thankfully, you know, I got Bonnie Milligan back um, to come and sing because she sang in all of my, all she sung in all the versions of Songs from Inside My Locker. Um, and then when I did Busting Out, the Aida story experience was already was in there um sure. and jessica vosk came and sang it with christina saju uh who was neither of them they were they were both thankfully working when i was recording the album mm. um uh christina was in berkeley doing a musical uh and jess was on broadway doing wicked so right. uh we got maya days who was aida on broadway and uh bonnie to to come and record um and that was a joy so that got added in um I'm trying to, oh i had i used to have a song i had rewritten dear mr gable you made me you made me love you mm-hmm. uh you know you made me love you uh to be dear bernie telsey oh right um, i forgot about that. yeah <laughs> yeah that was wild that <laughs> so, but that just you know that's that was a little inside baseball for, right, right. for that's sort what, of what this record was doing. So like first penis I saw replaced that. Um, it was all just sort of like, it's, it was, it's been so weird, like listening to the record and realizing that I didn't just write like an entertaining show for my friends anymore. It mm-hmm. morphed into this sort of really cathartic moving piece, which 
surprised me yeah. probably more than it surprised anyone else, you know? Right. I, I mean, even one listening to the album, but even thinking about the actual show, I mean, as you said, it was the songs that got you through a very difficult time. But in the album, you talk about mm-hmm. like your bullies from high school and being bullied as a queer kid, which solidarity yeah. is always there. And then, you know, talking, getting the letter from your high school bully later and just all these moments, which are obviously, I I imagine they have to be very cathartic for you to be able to talk about, but it has clearly more from like the entertaining or, you know, quote unquote, only entertaining show to to something that's a lot more. It's just, uh, yeah, I needed a button. Uh, it needed a third act, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, we, I definitely found one uh, in that very true story um, and uh, was able to write uh, an arrangement around that of uh, two songs that I think are the really tomorrow, great. Here Comes the Sun medley, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of known in the cabaret world for these mashups that uh, mm-hmm. I put together for people. Um, I just put one together for Kate Baldwin the other day. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just, you know, again, like we all just sort of hunt for them. So, because when you're in the cabaret room, you see a lot of cabaret. You don't want it to uh, just yeah. be the same song straight played straight from the piano vocal book. Sure, uh, sure. There's there's nothing interesting in that, and so uh, my job is to surprise people, uh, so that you sit forward in in delight of like, where's this going to go? You know, uh, yeah, that's why absolutely. all the medleys and mashups and things like that exist in my shows because uh, they just um, they they surprise and delight. Where again, like if so, if you're at the duplex and just singing sailing uh, or, you know, whatever. Uh, It's just not as interesting. And so I try to keep it interesting and varied. Mm -hmm. So, and thankfully, like I get to be the first to record two songs that are on the record. Yeah. Very exciting. You have the kid uh, Mm -hmm. by Andy Monroe and Jack Letchner. What's the other one? Uh, in Hell's Kitchen, which was written for me. Oh, it's the only, it's the first time it's been recorded. That's right. Yeah. Because yeah. it was written for mm-hmm. you. It makes sense. An amazing yeah. song. Very true. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of bittersweet <laughs> feelings about Hell's Kitchen myself, of course. <laughs> sure. But it's, well, now it's a museum piece because most of those places are open, nice. period. Uh, and who knows which ones will come back. But it's just like uh, I call Michael Pink, who's a brilliant songwriter. And mm-hmm. um, he had found a tweet of mine funny. And I said, can we turn this into a song somehow? And um, he did. We, we got together in a rehearsal room and he let me um, tangent. And mm-hmm. a lot of those jokes come straight from my mouth. Uh, going to blockheads and ending up with a toe tag is definitely <laughs> something I said. Yeah. Um, it's just, but it's, it's like a lived managed to make a into a 23 page song of crazy 
Yeah, it's like I said, it's an amazing song. Yeah. Um, I mentioned in a text to you that I am a I, I cried three times during this album. That's insane to me. <laughs> uh, why? Very, very touching in a lot of places. I'm also a perpetual crier when it comes to art, like unabashed cried everything, like overtures, good dance breaks, good lighting, whatever. But I mean, it's probably actually three and a half because I always cry by default at Ring of Keys, which was in your aged out medley. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you just, it's just instant, instant. And that's only there, honestly. To, for it to be a stupid bump. Yeah. Like, <laughs> which is, which is, you know, which is really incredible to me because I mean, the aged out medley, you go from ragtime to ring of keys and there's still some very mm-hmm. touching songs in it. <laughs> like, uh, where is love and waving sure. through a window and ring of keys, but it is obviously as you call it a stupid button. Yeah. Just like a, you know, you've, you've seen the joke, you've seen the joke repeated. How can I go one step further? Well, the funniest thing in the world would be if I was young Allison in the Muni production of <laughs> Fun Home. I agree. I would love to see it, personally. <laughs> I think whatever waiter well, at 54 keeps whispering to you that you should do a show should also whisper to the Muni <laughs> to get it produced. I, I could use a Muni whisper. That would be great. <laughs> oh, I would love that title, the Muni Whisperer. <laughs> put it on my business so, card. <laughs> but you you are you you cried i do yes i did and i do and i will continue to cry i certainly cried at the tomorrow here comes the sun arrangement uh especially in well in talking about your letter and also just the general emotional power of it i cried during if i only had a brain which is obvious but i also cried during i have found which is probably my favorite Bill Finn song of many, 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 oh. and just such a tender rendition. The fact that you say, as you say in the patter track before, you live in the wisdom of William Finn, and that's real clear through that. I that song has stuck with me since the first time I heard Carolee Carmelo sing it um, on the Infinitoy oh, album. Yes, right, yes. right. Yes. Where she was like <laughs> seven months pregnant. I don't know how when she hit that high Impossible. note, she didn't push a baby right? out. <laughs> It's wild. <laughs> but uh like that song has always been like a uh a, a leveler for me. Mm. Like it's things are think, like right now, things are not great at all. But to to be planted firmly is just so important. Uh it's William Time, man. William Time is what gets me through. I believe and I have found Hyperbole is not what makes the world go round Just living, just navigating firm and level ground Has power to astound I have found I have found It's been said And I have heard That quiet doesn't have to be A dirty word Just talking is often more expressive 
than a shriek. It's nice to merely speak. I have found Look around. I had uh the absolute pleasure of attending one of your final Tuesdays at 54 shows. I can't even be like, what's next for you. And for hopefully that, because like, what the fuck is even the future? Right. What is the future? Nobody knows. Right. Like what do certain spaces look like? And can there be that level of intimacy and being jam packed in a room anymore? I don't know. Right. I Um, know. The future is just me weeping into a lean cuisine. But (laughs) Uh, what kind of lean cuisine though that's the important I, I thing i know like a french bread pizza but it's not it's just like a piece of <laughs> toilet paper roll with sauce on it right yeah, delish. You're lucky, delish. that's, that's yeah. vegetable <laughs> you can't possibly have a tomato in there no <laughs> but yeah i obviously uh with it's again it's hard to talk about like what the future of certain shows are i know when you and i when i had seen the show we talked a little bit about like what could the future of that show be even in like an audio format kind of thing which i mean everything is now audio format or online so uh, i I don't uh, know i feel like people are very oversaturated with like uh everything like every everything like right what time is it Alice Ripley's going live? What time is it Susan Egan's got a song for you? You know what honestly, I mean? So, yeah. like, and where do I fit in and do I need to fit into that? I know, sure. uh, like, before everything, before, like, the world just stopped on its axis, uh, I was talking to another room about um, evolving the show Pokemon style into something mm-hmm. for that room hopefully that happens i would i i would love it but i don't know how or when um and i can't imagine like going to a cabaret room and sitting and just seeing lights bouncing off of face shields so oh um, god yeah, <laughs> now i'm right? gonna cry in a myelin cuisine <laughs> uh but i'm hopeful you know i'm i'm hopeful uh that things will the world's been forward, right? And absolutely, and yeah. there has been pandemics before. There will be pandemics again. Uh, but artists just pick themselves up, dust themselves off, and give their art. And so I know that in some form, cabaret will return somehow. Uh, and it, it, listen, it's not going to be this year. No, no. There's not going to be a, not. any cabaret room anywhere in the world that opens this year because when you think of that, like 54, 150 people max. Right, right. right. And, that's, and that's a small room. I was going to say that's small and that's also, that's like more spread out than places like the duplex or like Don't Tell Mama, especially right. Don't Tell Mama, which you're basically in each other's laps. Oh, please. The duplex is a post-it note with a chair. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's the smallest room in the world. It was actually the last room that I saw a show in. Oh, no. Uh, I saw a cabaret in before everything ended. I saw Ben Moss at the duplex. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, who's an incredible singer-songwriter, and people should find him on Instagram. Yeah. 
but he was doing the night of his song. Uh, and in 2020, we are supporting queer artists. So I was there to support him. But again, like artists will pick themselves up sure. and give their art as a method of healing. Uh, I don't know when that will be, but it will for sure happen. There are going to be so many bad cabarets about quarantine too. And uh, that's eventually back up in whatever form. I worry that Nymph is going to come back and just do a season of nothing but COVID. Oh, God, no. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, no. That is my worst nightmare. Ten musicals, all written by straight white guys. Of course. I have, what else is new? And every other season imaginable. But especially, we're going to have to put on, like, legacy pieces to quote-unquote, get the crowds back into theaters, and it'll just be, like, ten productions of the music, man. Sure. Listen, though, those are the building blocks and the foundation of what musicals are. Of so course. I have no problem with legacy musicals. Uh, we're going to have to find uh, better ways and to shake up the teams that are behind the table, not just on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, 100%. So, but I'm here for it. I'm here for, I love Golden Age musicals, as is evidenced on my album. Um, (laughs) Yes. I'm thrilled about that. But uh, it's going to be about finding new imaginative ways to tell the but yeah, absolutely. And uh, Matt and I have had that conversation a lot on the shows of what it's going to look like, uh, not just in casting rooms, but I mean, in every aspect of performance. And that's going, that's, uh, I, <laughs> before I left Broadway World as the cabaret editor, I had a lot of those conversations with people as it pertained to cabaret and what, like, mm-hmm putting on cabaret shows look like. And there's been more of that conversation lately at other publications, but cabaret itself is a very white art form, at least the way New York produces it, which is weird. I mean, you go, you go to something like the duplex and it's very different than going to something like the Beachman. It's so expensive. And the onus of paying for the shows lives on the artists. Yeah. Uh, so when when I do my shows, for example, and I have a six piece band behind me, because the two um, drink minimum, the two drink minimum, the greatest yeah, band great in the history of bands. Yeah, they're amazing. Um, honestly, born out of a joke. Everything that I've done was born out of joke of some sort. Uh, and I always thought, I was mm-hmm. just like, you know, what would be funny a band called the Two Drink Minimum. It's a great uh, name, uh, <laughs> absolutely. You know, <laughs> or another glass of rosé. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but to like, to pay for them, you know, the, the club pays, uh, a minimum, like you get X amount of dollars and whatever you do with that is up to you, but there's not money in the cabaret as an art form. That's what worries no. me about these clubs coming back is, um, if they can't find a way to get people in. You know, it's a money losing venture already. Right, uh, right. And so beyond that, how, how? So there needs to be some sort of shift to make it, um, I don't want to say profitable because that's mm. never mm. going to happen. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But there has to be a way where every time I do a show, I don't lose 
dollars uh, because I'm not rich. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, as you said, it's already a money losing venture because mm-hmm. <laughs> Cabaret is so, I love Cabaret more than anything. It's so specific and it's so self-indulgent, which is why I love it because it's a hedonist art form. <laughs> but because it's, of it's that. It's <laughs> yeah. rarefied. And, uh, you know, again, if you do it right, like I'm sure there are singers who work with just piano. And so they walk away may, having made, I don't know, $300 for an evening of singing. But when you think of sure. like paying for rehearsal rooms and paying for the, uh, the band rehearsal that, you know, we, you have to rent out a music studio for that, uh, and pray that you get through everything in the allotted two hours or three hours, um, and paying your musicians and paying the music director who creates the charts and everything like that, plus mm-hmm. photos and video, et cetera. There's nothing left for the singer. It, it truly just something you do for joy. Right. Which thankfully so many shows are deeply done for joy and are deeply joyful, including your shows. Thanks. Well, Robbie, again, thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited for the world to hear songs from inside my locker again, out from Broadway records tomorrow, tomorrow on June 26th. Midnight. Midnight. Uh, and I also look forward to the sequel show busting out from quarantine. <laughs> Never going to happen. Uh, how I spent my quarantine vacation is not a show I intend to do. It'll just be an, nope. I, it'll be it'll be a, a very interesting performance art piece of just eating wing cuisines yeah. on the stage of 54 books. <laughs> right. No thanks. Do you have an idea for a new show? Uh I've just started talking with Josh, uh, whose name will never leave my mouth because he's Good. so much a part Good. of these shows. Uh, but we're we're starting to build something new that I think is fun. I don't, you know, Zoom cabaret. I think it's fun. Zoom cabaret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm thrilled to be like one of the few uh, 54 albums that has an explicit uh, warning on it. So that's fun for everyone. Oh, yay. Yep. You can put that on your business card it's as well. truly, you know. I've got Mooney Whisperer. You've got Rated yeah. Explicit at 54 Below. That's your, that is your life. next title. Rated Explicit <laughs> at 54 Below. What a life. Wow, Ashley, that was an amazing interview that I have definitely already heard. <laughs> uh <laughs> but that is all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, this is Ashley. All right. I will not be here on tomorrow's show. Ashley, I don't know if you're going to go solo. You have another interview. I don't know if you're bringing James in. I guess it'll probably depend on what news comes out on Thursday. But, of course, you can hear all of the interviews first at Patreon.com slash Broadway Radio, Broadway Radio.com slash Patreon. Everybody have a great Thursday and a great weekend. Uh, Ashley will be here tomorrow, and I will talk to you again on Monday. <laughs>